Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, well, this is part four of our series going through the book of James. And so just to give you a sense of where we've been, um, we really introduced the entire book. Um, We're calling this series Steadfast. And so much of what James is talking about is it's an invitation to grow and mature in our walk with Jesus. It's very practical things that we can do to grow as disciples of Jesus. And so steadfastness is about hanging in there. It's about enduring. It's about being faithful. And and as we are learning to be steadfast, we grow into maturity. And and we'll look at one of the verses in chapter one a little later in the message. But but that's the idea is that we could grow into um, the, the English words that are there early in James are words like perfect and complete and lacking nothing. And that just can make me feel like, well, gosh, I fall really short of that. But the reality is what what sits behind those words is an invitation to be made whole, to be complete, to mature. And so that's the invitation. And so then as we began to move into James, we talked about the importance um, that being hearers and doers of the word plays in that growth and maturity. Um, And how, how we're not, we do need to hear the word. We gotta start there. I gotta receive what God has for me. And then I act upon that. I live that out. And then last Sunday, we talked about the law of love, the law of love and the invitation to grow in sacrificial love, receiving that love from the Lord and being purposeful to love each other well. And so all of this really, it fits together. These aren't like individual topics. It builds upon itself. And so this morning now, we're talking about a living faith. How do I walk out that law of love? I have a living, active faith. So we're gonna be covering the second half of James chapter two. Um, I kind of have two primary points this morning. Point one is beyond belief. And then point two is a living faith, the title of the sermon. So here we go. James two, verse 14 is where we're gonna start. What good is it, my brothers or sisters, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him. So James is inviting us to wrestle with something. He's inviting us to ponder and consider the importance of a faith that is active, that affects our lives. That word works, like it it means work. It can mean labor. It can mean deeds. It's activity. Um, And so it's like, it's a faith that is doing stuff. There's movement to it. It's affecting the rhythm of our lives. And so he's saying, hey, like, We ought not to separate these. Consider what happens if we do. Even think about, like he he then introduced this idea of can that faith save us? Now that word save is a big word. There's a Greek word that sits behind that, sozo. means to save, to deliver, to make whole. It means to preserve safe through danger, loss, and destruction. Just to give you a sense of this, this word occurs 54 times in the Gospels. And, and it, it covers the full spectrum of who we are, spirit, soul, and body. 
54 times in the Gospels. 14 times it relates directly to deliverance or healing from disease or demonic oppression. It's like practical, tangible salvation. God's saving me from a disease, an illness, a stuck place, the enemy hounding me. Like just real intervention in my life. He wants to save me from that. In 20 instances, it relates to the rescue literally of physical life from some impending peril or instant death. Like literally, I've been physically rescued from dying. God stepped in and saved me. And then another 20 times in reference to spiritual salvation. It's a deep, all-encompassing word. Now, why do I share that? Because I want us to make sure we're connecting the dots with everything James is saying to us. If there is an invitation to be steadfast that will help us grow into maturity and completeness and wholeness, then what James is saying is that a faith that works is a key part of this salvation that touches every aspect of our lives. All right, so let's continue into this a little bit. This saving faith is meant to touch the whole person. In our labor, our activity, our participation, it plays a key role. So he's gonna give us an example here, verses 15 through 17. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He's saying, listen, we've got to move beyond just good intentions. We've got to move beyond just like a faith that stirs this and maybe this, like something real, practical, tangible that like does stuff. Like it's good for my heart to be moved when I see your brother or sister struggling. It's good that my heart is stirred. But like that ultimately ought to lead to, hey, is there something that can be done about this? Is there a way that I can actively participate to love, to serve, to minister, to meet this need? It's like where the rubber meets the, the road. And so we need to move beyond just good intentions, the stirring of the heart. He goes even further here, verses 18 through 20 now. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And then in an incredibly sobering verse, he says, you believe that God is one. So like you have, a, you have a belief in who God is, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Don't settle for just good intentions. Don't settle for just belief, like a mental acknowledgement or agreement. Remember what we talked about a couple Sundays ago and we talked about how for many of us um, in our culture, it's easy, um, instead of being hearers that are doers, we tend to be hearers that are agreeers. And we equate that to like faith. I'm a hearer and I agree with it. Check. No, I'm called to live by what I'm hearing. This is that. This is that connection point. Um, now listen, it sounds like he's being really insulting. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? Who is excited to show up to church and be called a foolish person this morning? Anybody just, thank you, Pastor Jake. That's so encouraging and building up. Like it sounds like he's just insulting them, but that word foolish, it actually means vain. 
Um, and, and really that word vain, it means empty. Ever felt empty? Dissatisfied? Like something's missing or lacking? I would propose to you that many churchgoers sitting in metal chairs in a school or in a pew or wherever this morning, many churchgoers have settled into a very passive faith. I believe the words in that book. I have good intentions in my heart towards God and others, but I've settled into a passive faith and then I wonder why do I feel empty, aimless? Where's the sense of purpose? Why do I have this sense that something's missing? Why has apathy creeped into my life? Because God always intended for our life, our behavior, our activity to be aligned with our faith in him. Wholeness, completeness, it means like a life that's integrated together. We were just talking about this yesterday in different contexts. An integrated life. And so it addresses that emptiness, that purposelessness when our faith becomes active, when we're living this out. And so we don't just settle for mental acknowledgement. Now listen, I just, I wanna stop here before, before we move any further because there's just some things that need to be said because the waters can be muddied a little bit, okay? So this is important to note. When we talk about an active faith or faith partnered with works, this is not about proving your faith. And this is not about earning your salvation. I wanna say that again. This is not about proving your faith or about earning your salvation. It is about realizing the power that comes with a real, living, active faith. James is worried that we're getting ripped off. We're missing out on something wonderful and precious and life-giving by having an active faith. And he's worried we're missing that. And so he speaks with really strong terms to say like, hey, let's not be passive, let's be active. He's not coming to preach another gospel that says you gotta earn your salvation or you better prove that you're saved or you're not. No, it's just like, your, your life as, as the truth of the gospel is your, your faith in Christ becomes real and you, you've stepped into this relationship with God and you're walking with him and you're growing in that relationship. There is activity that will flow out of that that is powerful and life-changing and of vital importance for you as a follower of Christ, for the body of Christ, as we are living out together in active faith and for a world that needs to see the difference that Christ makes in our lives. Because they need some hope. They need some hope. And they don't need to just hear it. They need to see it. An active faith. So there's a really, good, I feel like there's just a really great summary of this by Paul. Sometimes Paul can be like hard to understand and confusing, but I feel like there's a really great summary of this in Ephesians chapter two. And so I wanna read Ephesians two verses eight through 10 that can just hopefully help kind of anchor us in like what this is and what this isn't, okay? For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Anybody thankful for the gift of the grace of God that saves us? 
Anybody thankful for the gift of just being able to place our faith in him? I'm so grateful for that. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. But he doesn't stop there and eliminate the importance of works and activity. What does he say? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is an invitation. We are called into an active, vibrant, and at times what will feel like laborious life of faith. It's work and it's activity. But here's here's an important distinction to understand, friends. Because God has saved us and he's made us in his image and we are his workmanship and there are works that he has designed specifically for us, when we hear this call to an active faith that gets us moving, that gets us working, I should not hear, there's all the stuff I need to go out and do and earn on my own. I should always hear this through the context of cooperating with what God is up to. He's working, he's moving. He's moving in my life. He's moving in your homes. Like he's actively working in your friendships. It may not feel like it at times, but he's actively working at your jobs. He is at work in us and in the world around us and an active faith cooperates with what God is up to. An active faith recognizes he's here and he's present and he's with me. And I can trust him moment by moment and I can be invited into this active life of faith with him. Is this making sense? So we're moving beyond belief into, into real activity where rubber meets the road. So let's, let's talk about a living faith now. Thankfully, James gives us two beautiful examples in this passage. He gives us the example of Abraham and the example of Rahab. So let's start by looking at Abraham here for a minute. Uh, verses 21 through 23 now. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Look at this incredible activity that went on in his life. I mean, this is not some simple, small example. This is like, whoa, you were willing to sacrifice your son? I can't even wrap my head around that. I can't even get there. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed. Just kind of put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So what James does here is he kind of references Abraham as a whole, this, this man of faith who believed in God. And then he points to a specific story in his life. Now this story is found in Genesis chapter 22. It's near the end of Abraham's life. This is after a long time walking with the Lord. Years of relationship with God. A long time walking out his faith relationship with the Lord. If you wanna go back later and kind of soak in this a little bit to go, Lord, would you, would you help me learn about living a life of faith just by looking at Abraham's life? You can begin reading in Genesis chapter 12 and just go through Genesis 25. You know, one of the things I think is really good to do is we're spending, you know, two and a half months in the book of James. It's a small book. Let's absorb it. 
Let's spend time in it. Let's also check out the other areas of scripture he's pointing us to. And so I've encouraged you to read through the Sermon on the Mount. Take a look at the life of Rahab and here the life of Abraham. So Genesis 12 through 25, I wanna give you a sense of this. His life is marked by an active trust. First of all, he's called to leave the land he's living in and go to a new place. And he believes God that he has a cool place for him. So what does he do? He goes. <laughs> he got up and went. There he goes. My friend Andrews believed for a long time that God had a place for him in Indonesia. And for long seasons, that meant holding on to that faith and that dream, trusting the Lord with it, and being active and faithful where he was planted. But at some point in time, God makes it clear, here's the place, time to go. Guess what he's supposed to do? Move to Indonesia. If he's sitting here in July, there's a problem. Instead of praying him out, we're kicking him out. <laughs> right? Like, he's called to go. Abraham goes. Now, what I love about Abraham's life is like, he's a faithful guy, but I don't know how familiar I am with his life. There's some failures along the way. Like when James points to Abraham, he's not pointing to perfection. He's not pointing to a faith that never misses it. Abraham was so afraid that he lied and said his wife was his sister because he was worried that he would be killed and she would be taken when they were in foreign lands. By the way, he did that twice. Abraham, the father of our faith. Oh, that's my sister. You can have her. Just don't kill me. <laughs> right? Are you getting this? Like, there, there's incredible moments where I look at him in awe of the faith he exhibited. And then there's moments where I go, bro, thanks for being so relatable. <laughs> right? To those moments of struggle, fear, failure. But it, it's, it's a steady walk with the Lord. A steady reliance upon him an active trust. And even when he had moments of failure, he just continued to trust the God who's faithful. And so we see Abraham. And so what I want you to see here when you see this is like, we're, we're peering in now at a moment later in his life as he's grown and matured through this active faith and walk with the Lord. And he now gets to this moment where God has asked him to do something that contradicts like everything he's learned before. It contradicts the promise. You're asking me to sacrifice the son of promise that I waited decades for, that you miraculously brought about in my old age, and now you're telling me to sacrifice him? This completely contradicts your promise. It contradicts your character. Lord, it's the God of all these pagans who's asking them to sacrifice their children. This isn't you. You're asking me to do something that contradicts your promise, contradicts your character. And yet somehow at this point in Abraham's life, he's just, he's seen it all and somehow he's able to muster faith to go, okay, okay, here I go. And even as he's walking out this faith to trust God to do this ridiculous, contradictory, mind-blowing thing, guys, he still didn't have it figured out. The book of Hebrews gives us an example like, like a look behind the scenes at what was going on with Abraham in this moment. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. Uh, this is Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, 
when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act, notice act, action. He's in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Verse 19, I love this. He considered, <laughs> he's going, Lord, I don't know what you're up to, but here's, here's what I imagine maybe you're doing. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He didn't understand what God was doing. He didn't understand how God was even gonna do it. But he trusted that somehow, some way, God was gonna come through. He's gonna be faithful to do his part, so I'm actively gonna do my part. He asked me to do this, to take this crazy, ridiculous step. But I know him and I've walked with him and I've heard his voice and I don't understand and even my comprehension is wrong about what's gonna happen. But I'm just coming as I am and I'm trusting him. And what I love about this, see James is pointing to this story and saying as an example, look how his faith was completed like see how he's grown and been completed. That word completed that he uses there, it's the same one we read earlier in James 1. So I want you to show you these kind of isolated here. So James 2, 22, we just read it, but I wanna read it again. You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Now, James 1, verses three and four. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. This isn't a microwave faith. This is a slow cooker. This is developed over time. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. His faith was completed. It's actually the same word, not as the English word completed there. It's actually the same word as the word perfect. And I wanna remind you of what that means. It means fully developed, come of age, mature. Abraham, after decades of disappointment, failure, gloriously wonderful things to be celebrated, joy that he'd experienced, the full gamut of life and emotions, and now nearing the end of his life, he is still courageously, actively walking by faith, trusting God, even when he doesn't understand. And what do we see? We see a father who deeply loves his son, who's willing to sacrifice him, believing in the hope of resurrection. Who does that sound like? What's Abraham doing? He's looking more and more like his father. He's looking more and more like the one who he's trusted and who he's walked with. Friends, some of the hardest things in life that I don't understand, I look back now and go, Lord, you were just letting me get a glimpse of what your sacrificial love looks like for me. The sacrifice of being a parent, you've given me just a glimpse of your incredible love sacrifice for me. 
the way Abraham loved his son of promise and was willing to lay him down, you said, no, you don't have to do that. I will. That's what God said to Abraham. You don't have to do that. That's, that's my job. I'm gonna do that. Your job's just to trust me. Just trust me. Not a mental, I trust you. An active, trusting faith. God, here is my life. I trust it into your care. Even when I don't understand, even when it doesn't make sense, I trust you. And watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. Watch him produce something glorious. That's Abraham. Now, let's take a minute and look at Rahab. I love the contrast of this. Abraham, father of the Jewish nation, <laughs> father of faith, like this just epic, well-known hero like Abraham. And now he goes to Rahab, the woman, the Gentile, the prostitute. And he points to her. James 2, 24 through 25. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Rahab's story is found in Genesis chapter two, when the spies, or sorry, did I say Genesis? I typed Genesis in my notes too. That was wrong. Joshua <laughs> chapter two. They sound the same. I don't know. Joshua chapter two, when the spies are coming in to check out Jericho. And then we see the completion of her story in Gen, I'm saying it again, because it's in my notes. In Joshua chapter six, verses 22 through 25. That was super clear, wasn't it? it. Yeah, got it, great. Good thing, you know, one of the things I do for a living is get up and do public speaking. That <laughs> works out really well for everyone involved. Okay, so Rahab's story is found there. And what we see is like, this woman who's living in a pagan land, she's a Gentile, but she's heard of this God of this people, Israel. And she's heard of what he's done, bringing them out of Egypt. And now they're coming into land, and she believes he's the true and living God. And these two spies come in and she makes space for them. She hides them at great risk to herself. She rescues someone else who is in need, whose very life is being threatened. And she puts herself and her family at risk by hiding them. And as she does this, she creates a space for them to be protected, to be rescued. Like she sees someone else, a foreigner in need and made a space. It cost her something. It risked something. And she did that. And she was rescued as a result of this. Again, Hebrews 11 talks about her. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Friends, part of having an active faith, it doesn't just affect us and our personal growth and our personal maturity, although it does affect that massively. An active faith meets the needs of others around us. An active faith is self-sacrificing. An active faith partners 
with the law of love. It enables me to walk out sacrificial love because I'm participating with the one who is love, who what he does is sacrificially love us. And so I participate with that. And so we've got this beautiful story of Rahab. And and so I just, I love this beautiful contrast. It's like, whatever your background, whatever your story, whatever your failures, like for some of us, I go, man, I'm not, I'm not Abraham, that's for sure. I mean, I might be able to relate to some of his failures, but like, I'm not Abraham. But look at Rahab. And just in this moment of faith, I'm trusting that God that I don't even know yet, but I'm trusting him. Like we can come as we are to him. And I love how this plays out. Both Rahab and Abraham, they end up in the same place. You know where they end up? Family tree, the line of Christ. You know, as a kid, and let's be honest, even as an adult, like when I get to the Bible reading, you know, and I land in Matthew's gospel, chapter one, it's just name after name after name, especially like old King James, right? Like who says begat? begat just over and over and over again, right? But it's a story of lives of faith. And so I wanna read this to you, Matthew one. We're gonna read verses one and two, and then we're gonna look at five, verses five and parts of six as well. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Has a little more meaning in light of focusing on the reality of that story. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Verse five, and on down the line. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, another Gentile lady. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king, Rahab, Abraham, people of faith in the line of Christ. And guess what? They're not just in the line of Christ. Who's James? He's the brother of Jesus. Mary is his mama. Joseph is his daddy. He's the half-brother of Jesus. And here's James and he's going, let me tell you about my great, 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 great grandma. And my even great, 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 great further back grandpa, Abraham and Rahab, look at their lives of faith. And I get to be here today writing you this letter of encouragement that God is faithful and you can trust him. And so moment by moment, step by step, as you navigate all the ups and downs of this life, friends, actively trust God. Walk out your faith with him. Let your faith produce trust that goes, yes, I'll go there. Yes, I'll be obedient to that. that. Lord, here's this. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. I trust you with it. He's inviting us into a living, active faith. I love how he wraps this up. James 2, 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. But the opposite of dead is what? Life. An active life of faith. It produces 
wholeness, completeness, healing. Friends, Jesus isn't through with us yet. Anybody glad for that, that he's not through with us? I am grateful that he's still saving and rescuing me. I'm grateful that he still touches my physical body. He rescues me, saves me, heals me. I'm grateful that he ministers to me when I'm beat down and weary and oppressed. Like he wants to bring wholeness and healing to me, spirit, soul, body. When I'm emotionally all over the place, he cares for me and he's present in my fears and my anxieties. That he's seeing me through. That he's inviting me into a living, active life with him. That he's ever present, moment by moment, day by day, in all seasons and in all circumstances. And as we've said before in this series, and we'll say it again before we're done, the whole reason we even have a chance to grow and mature and be people who are steadfast is because we are relying upon the God who's steadfast. He's the faithful one, and we hold on to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, there's, there's so much more that could be said. Thank you that there's so many more stories of just real people who lived real, imperfect lives of faith, walking out their relationship with you, learning to trust you, having moments of victory as they walked in cooperation and obedience, having moments of failure and struggle as they sinned or fell short or just wandered. Lord, thank you for your steady faithfulness through it all. God, thank you for the gift of faith. Help us to have a living, active faith. May we hear your voice. May we walk in obedience. Thank you that we get to see you as you are making us whole. You are growing us into completeness and you allow us to partner with you to love others well who are broken, and who are hurting, and who are in need. Thank you that we're never alone, that you're always with us. We love you, we trust you, and we choose to place our faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, friends? Amen.